All right. Good morning and welcome to another episode of Take the Hill, which is a leadership podcast intended to create deeply impactful conversations about leadership. So I'm your host, Dr. Patrick Mauvahill, and we are excited to be doing something a little bit different on the show today. Now, this is going to be the first of several pop-up podcasts where we will provide students within the Point Park community the opportunity to be a part of the conversation uh, instead of inviting a traditional guest. So... Our title for this series is Change My Perspective. Here's the way this is gonna work. Your fellow students are going to join us, introduce a topic. I have not pre-screened or met with our guests prior to the conversation today. So what we talk about and the topics that they select is in fact something that they want to have a conversation about. So it is my hope that these conversations will help illuminate important ideas to members of our community help educate us all, and perhaps most importantly, allow us to increase our collective knowledge and understanding. If there's one thing that I have learned from this experience is that you should never underestimate how extraordinarily difficult it is to understand a situation from another one's point of view. So with that being said, let's begin the conversation. And our first guest this morning is Rihanna, who is a business management major here within the Roland School of Business, and her topic of choice is Millennials and Generation Z in the Workforce. So, Rihanna, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yep. We appreciate you being here this morning. So, why this topic? Why is it important to you? So, this is very relevant to me right now as I am a senior graduating in April, and I am, you know, starting the job hunt and starting to gear up my life for the workforce, and... I think there is generally a stereotype and perception of millennials and Gen Z about to enter the workforce that, uh, you know, they're lazy or they are being really particular about either the industry they want to go into or, you know, they don't want to re relocate, they do want to relocate. Um, there's also that technology factor where everyone thinks millennials are really reliant on technology and, you know, are they going to be able to handle uh, more traditional jobs, just overall perceptions uh, that I'm trying to avoid and just want to hear, you know, your opinion from the other end of it because, you know, searching for jobs today, I'm sure, is very different from when you were searching for jobs not too long ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a very polite way to put it. <laughs> yeah, so just any any opinions on, you know, the stereotypes facing millennials and Gen Z that are about to, to enter that next step? Sure. So you brought up a wide range of, I think, stereotypes and perceptions that does exist, right? Uh, so I will certainly acknowledge that they are certainly true, <laughs> all right? Uh, and we're certainly in a period where you have multiple generational cohorts that are trying to figure out their way forward to work together. Uh, although at the same time, if you look at millennials and Gen Z, I mean, you're almost to the point where you're 50% of the workforce, right? So when you think of that critical mass, I mean, you're eventually going to probably get to the point where it's your way or, you know, the highway in a way. Not to be very harsh about that perspective, but at the same time, let's take a little bit deeper, right? Why do you, why do you think that we think your generation is, quote, lazy? Um, I definitely think that does have a connection to our exposure to technology. Mm -hmm. I think there is a perception that we become reliant on technology. So that in turn doesn't necessarily make us work as hard, I guess, okay. is where that stems from. Um, 
I don't know if I fully agree with that, but I can see where that would come from. Do you think you guys work more efficient or more effective? Is that what's happening or is um, there something else there? I think efficient could be a, a better word to use just because the whole point of the integration of technology into our lives, you know, as it's going to continue into who even knows what in the future, but it is to make our lives more efficient, doing okay. things more simply, you know, applying to jobs now is just searching on Indeed and your resume is already auto-populated in there. So mm -hmm. um, I, d I definitely think efficiency would probably be a better word to use. Okay. So how, whose responsibility is it then to, I guess, educate folks like myself or within the older generation to understand more clearly that because you grew up in an age of technology, that again, you will in fact work differently and in some cases more effectively and yeah. efficiently. Um, I mean, I guess the <laughs> simple answer would be that it's, it's our job, okay. how we do that. You know, I'm, I'm not necessarily too sure and I'd love to hear your, your opinions on sure. that. I think a big part of it is, and I'll be completely honest with you, it's since we have been established with organizations for a longer period of time, it's almost like we have a stronger, a deeper vested interest in the success of what happens to my legacy that I'm leaving behind. So I think some of the nervousness might in fact be that we see younger generations coming in and you're doing things much quicker and faster and you have your own perspectives. So I'm actually a little bit scared that you're gonna come in and maybe change completely the way you do things. Or in some way you're going to, dare I use the word, kind of mess up what we've built so how do I get past essentially giving you or the empowering you to come in and say, okay, I understand you have the vision, but we might not necessarily agree on the way things get done. Sure. Um, I think that boils down to human nature and being afraid of change. I think everybody's <laughs> okay. afraid of change. Um, and like you were mentioning, you know, that there is that nerve that you think, people coming in and having these different ways to do things could mess things up. But at the same time, I think there's an opportunity to look at that on the flip side and say, you know, is, is this new system, is this new way of doing this going to be better overall? Not, <laughs> and, and it's not just the way that it's always been done. Sure. Sure. Well, technology is a big one, right? Obviously, you guys are completely yeah. <laughs> comfortable. <laughs> I mean, and, and there's certain individuals that, like myself, I would say that, you know, we're comfortable with technology, but we might not certainly be the norm, right? So what would you propose as a solution to kind of align that gap between folks who are not comfortable with technology and your generation who is accustomed to just using technology and learning on the fly and a little bit more agile? I think to bridge the gap, just overall integration into an organization. Um, so it's not one group is you know, teaching the other group or showing the other group. Um, but for example, recently in my mom's company, although this isn't even a, a great example, but she switched from using Outlook for years to, um, to Gmail. And that like really, really threw her off. But I mean, they kind of learned that together as a team. So I think just overall, you know, integrating and adapting to things that we are using today. You know, I know a lot about Google Teams or Microsoft Teams. Um, even, you know, TikTok is a huge thing nowadays, <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of people don't don't even know what that no is. Um, so yeah, I guess just <laughs> exposure to to things that are becoming more prevalent okay. to use today. 
So let's shift to another one that you also brought up. This is another area that I certainly struggle with, even sometimes in a classroom. Um, it's the idea of commitment. Okay. Right? Uh, there's a perception that there are times where, yeah, you're deeply vested in, in like your path and your vision and where you want to go. But there's other times where, you know, if I need you to do something and it doesn't align with that vision, then I see you guys disengage. All right. How, how can I begin to demonstrate more effectively that, again, there's some things of a job or, or a career path that are really enjoyable, but there's other things that might not be so enjoyable, but sure. yet you still have to be committed to doing that as opposed to maybe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it almost seems sometimes like, you know, I don't see that passion or that vested interest to that team or that vision as strongly as maybe the older cohorts. I think a big part of that is where members of the older generations have generally like one passion and you know they've been working in the same industry for a long time or you know they just have one area that they're really focused on where I think something that sets my generation as a part is a lot of interest in different things but maybe not one is solely as devout as you know having one thing that you're focused on. Um, so I think that's where the commitment and the disengagement lies is because they're not dead set on any one thing. I, I think that's true for myself that, you know, like I have an array of interests. Um, so I guess just playing to the reason why you're doing anything that you're doing is important to keep that commitment and that engagement. I don't think it's, it's a, a fear of commitment. I just think it's not knowing what they want to commit Okay. Should we be there for then creating more opportunities for you to not necessarily like perform your particular role, but introduce you to other areas of the organization, whether that be internally or externally? No, I definitely example. agree with that. Yeah. 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 I think just exposure is the only way you're going to find out what mm. you like. Do you think if we give you more exposure, you'll be more committed to our team or our organization? Or do you think as a generation, like you said, you'll still look at you know, that three to five years for the next opportunity, which seems to be the norm. I think the exposure definitely would show someone from my generation that, you know, they care about guiding your interests and they're showing you these different opportunities so you can kind of make that decision for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, I almost think that we're at a point where people of my age are just overwhelmed by the amount of options. And I think yeah. that could be where that boils down to because, you know, like 40 years ago, you were either going to go to nursing school or, you know, you, there was, I don't want to say a limited amount of options, but, you know, there wasn't as wide of an array as there are today. So I think just getting exposed to as much as you can and then just using your experience to back it up from there and kind of making your own decisions. I think that word choice, overwhelmed, is yeah. something that's pretty interesting because I think as employers or leaders who, again, are leading younger workforces like in a way we almost feel overwhelmed as well because you said it's such a vast change in the way that we communicate we operate and the way that work gets done um, the we're learning alongside of you yeah right. and I think it's good to look at it that way too because we feel overwhelmed on okay. our end that we're saturating a workforce that's already established but it is important to look at the other side too yeah. that as you mentioned that you guys would be overwhelmed on the other side just with this this entrance of new new work, new ways yeah. of doing things. How do you think your, your cohort is going to change the landscape of your traditional organization? I think 
meetings have changed a lot over the years. Um, specifically, I think there's a lot more room for meeting and collaboration where in the past, maybe there was only one staff meeting a week for half an hour and then you were just kind of left to talk about it. I think people understand more nowadays the importance of you know collaboration and voicing your opinion. So I think, I think that's something that's changed is um, just seeing, seeing that need for communication instead of you know, strictly business. Awesome. Well, Rihanna, I want to thank you for taking the time for being here today. Yeah, of course. You've certainly uh, illuminated uh, the need for conversations around this very area. Changed my perspective a little bit. Uh, like I said, I think when you talked about the commitment and being overwhelmed, that's something that I did not consider before. Um, and it seems to me, you know, when I have these conversations with both organizations as well as the students here, you know, in terms of our vision, we all want the same thing right yep. be healthy be happy and enjoy the experiences along the way right and i think where we get lost sometimes is in the nuances of how we communicate differently or how we use technology differently but i think the vision is the same so yeah for sure cool awesome well thank you again for being here today and uh maybe look forward to having you back in the future yeah sure thank you all right welcome back to the podcast we're here with gavin who's an advertising and pr major here at point park university um, his interests are obviously advertising and PR, but also music, as we just learned out, learned here a few minutes ago. And my man's also probably going to be heading to Rome soon, uh, which is pretty cool. So, Gavin, give me your thoughts. Yeah, well, you know, I'm a returning Point Park student. This is my second year. I'm still relatively new to advertising and PR. Uh, I started as a mass communications major, and now I'm focusing in advertising and PR, which is a total learning curve, but it's super, <laughs> super interesting. Yeah, really. that's cool. And uh, I was really surprised about uh, the kind of opportunities at Pittsburgh. And this is not like plugging Pittsburgh or anything. But, um, yeah, yes, uh, Monday. Sorry, today's Wednesday now. Um, I, I was uh, touring Smith's Brothers, which is across the, the pond or right over there. I guess yeah. you can call it a pond <laughs> channel. It's <laughs> good enough. And uh, it was it's super awesome facilities. And just I love the creative side. I want to eventually copyright if... Okay. I don't want to be like, oh, it's my backup for music, but like that's that's my main aspiration. That's right now. cool. So, what is like the biggest difference between, say, somebody like myself who's a little bit older, when I think of marketing is maybe more traditional, versus some of the advertising and marketing PR campaigns that you see now that might be a little bit more cutting edge and upbeat? Like, tell me a little bit about that. I don't know how much more cutting edge the actual tactics are because yeah. I mean, sure, technology is awesome, but like. I feel like for a lot of people, when they think advertising, they think Mad Men, and they think <laughs> of like how I like to think now, at least how uh, stories have been told for a really long time, which is like the most interesting part. Like I have s grown up like no recognizing products based off of what my parents did, and how my parents did, and how they were set up to recognize products like mm -hmm. timeless brands like McDonald's and things like that. Yeah, yeah. and. Um, PR crises. I have a lot of PR crisis ads, <laughs> and uh, I mean ads. Sorry, uh, PR classes. Which yeah. um, the fact that you can brand somebody, and people time and time again <laughs> see a corporation and are able to save them, like really, really save them, is just mind-boggling. I mean, you could probably list the companies, right? Yeah, Even I, as far back as Enron, which you guys probably yeah. seen, to uh, Wells Fargo, mm -hmm. right? ValueJet, like um, the list can just go on and on. I started watching last night uh, McMillions yep. on yep. HBO, fantastic. And 
So how, what is the influence of music on advertising campaigns? Well, there's a lot that goes into marketing of music, and that's what majority of pop artists are nowadays, okay. I feel like. And um, there are some super, super talented uh, artists out there, but if so you, you don't have the right marketing skills or utilities at your disposal, it's next to impossible to break out onto billboard charts. So what you're saying, essentially, me as someone with very... I'll at best mediocre vocal skills. You know? I mean, like you could turn me into like a media superstar, given that one hundred percent. If you have the, if you have the looks and you have the you have the <laughs> charisma, you're comfortable on stage. You're comfortable talking to people, which I yeah. mean, you obviously are. I don't see why you couldn't be a, a pop, a country pop star if you want, if that's country. what you're into. Is that yeah. what you, do I look country? Well, I mean, you're wearing the American <laughs> hat. That's the only okay. guideline. Cool. That's the only I'm premise digging. for that. I'm digging Which, that. If, that's I mean, cool. And it, that, that could be totally opposite. But if you, hey, if you're not into country music, then you can still subscribe to like a country audience <laughs> so and we're gonna, write any kind of music. We're going to you blow your mind a little bit. If you look at, you look at my playlist, we're looking at Jay-Z, yeah. <laughs> Eminem, all right, Tupac. So, yeah, but I, I can do country if you can, if you can get no, me that role. I mean, to, like, listen, <laughs> if you can break into the audience of people who listen to rap music, like. Yeah. So a little, because you're, you're heading off to Rome, hopefully, yeah. summer, right? Hopefully. Which is a really cool place, right? Italy's awesome. Yeah. Um, how does advertising PR change globally? Or is it still the same human qualities that get connected to like a brand? I mean, there always is, you know, fundamental human qualities. And that's kind of what I want to explore. I, like I said, you know, I'm still breaking into advertising PR. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot that is really new to me. A lot of concepts that I, I'm really trying to still <laughs> get a full understanding of. And I think globally, on a global scale at least, advertising changes drastically. But I can't say that for sure, you know? I, I'm really curious about learning it. And cool. It's, that's just one aspect that I want to... Well, Gavin, I could say you probably definitely have changed my perspective a little bit about advertising and PR, especially knowing that I have a future opportunity as a country star, you know, <laughs> yeah. should I mean, this job ever go sideways. I just don't see why not, you know, <laughs> so, at this well, point. Thank you. I appreciate it. So, well, thank you for coming on the podcast today. And, uh, of course, we wish you the best of luck in your journey. <laughs> and, uh, like you said, we want to see you in Rome soon. Yeah, cool. that would be awesome. Thanks. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. All right, welcome back. We are now here with Allison, who is an SAEM major. And her topic of choice this morning is balancing work and school and also being able to pursue opportunities that align professionally and personally. Uh, she feels that she has perhaps too many hand, too, her hand in too many pots and trying to be a master of one, a master of all. Yep. Good morning, Allison. Good morning. So tell us a little bit more. Uh... So, I work almost full-time. I work a work-study job, and then also I go to school full-time, like six classes every semester. So, do you feel that you have to be doing all of these things to maximize your time, or are you trying to maybe perhaps keep up with peers who are also in your generation? Or, where did, or is this just you as someone, you just have this incredible drive <clears throat> to want to be doing all these things? I mean, I obviously have an incredible drive. I mean, me. <laughs> <laughs> but also, the going to work and working so much is so I can cover my tuition out of pocket because my parents can't really do that. But I don't blame them for it. 
because it's just something like I've been doing myself and like going to school and like making sure I'm doing that and have money for books and for all the things. So the work I have to do to cover that tuition and then school is just like, I'm a little bit up there in age and I want to get into the field already. I'm kind of like, I've been in school. I've been in school, worked the 40 hours a week. I want to go into the field, but I kind of fall in that weird niche of, I'm, I don't know everything, but I know more than people assume. Yeah. Well, I think you hit it on a really good point because, I mean, and I don't know how widely understood this is, but a lot of our students are in that same situation where they are trying to balance either a full-time job or multiple part-time jobs and go to school at the same time. Yeah. Um, are there things that we perhaps could be doing differently? Not, and I'm going to push you a little bit here, not just about handing out more resources or grants to enable you to afford school better, mm. but is there other ways that as a school or a department that we could help be helping you as a student, whether it's you know, class schedules or the way that we look at you know, our programs or the way that we kind of offer internships at co-ops? Like are there things that could be changing there from your perspective? I mean, I think for sure there's that, but it's also like, I feel like sometimes, even though our program seems the mo some of the most flexible, it's still very rigid. Mm -hmm. And then- Rigid in what way? Kind of like the class schedules, like they're such an odd time that you have to kind of do that opportunity cost where it's like, okay, I can go to class this time and this time and then work immediately after. But there's not really much give, especially with like certain classes being offered certain times, which makes sense. But on the flip side, then that makes somebody's like need to graduate, like or their pathway to graduation sure. way longer. Sure, because we do, as you mentioned, and I'm sure you're aware, like you said, it's, it's somewhat rigid where we have those core sequences and yep. we kind of balance it out, maybe perhaps a little bit too far with the perspective of we have a normal student mm -hmm. you know, who, even though we know you're working, but you know, we figure that you can maybe manage your schedule, but maybe we have the understanding that it's easy for you guys to do that. Mm -hmm. Like your flexibility is there that your employers understand that you're also a student. Like, is that always the case or is, or do you even feel pressure there? Um, my employees are pretty like, they're honestly some of the best people I've worked with ever. <laughs> and they're very understanding. They, they allow me to be flexible with it if I have to be. But then internally I struggle because I'm like, am I doing my best in school and at work? Yeah. Because I can't be that person that doesn't do both. But the other thing is me coming in as a transfer student if you come to Point Park as a freshman, you get like the layout in the program of like these classes you should take this semester. But when you're a transfer student, that's all out the window. So okay. you're just like going off the seat of your pants. Okay. And it's like, where am I going? What class is next? And so you're trying to piece it together really kind of more by yourself. I think Judy needs, she's the one that covers like a lot of the majors. Yep. I think she definitely needs an assistant or somebody to like split up that work because there's so many students mm -hmm. and not enough time. So what other phenomena do we not necessarily understand about this reality for students trying to balance and trying to also maximize your time here? I don't think it's not realized. I think we professors do realize like, oh yeah, there are volunteer opportunities so you're not getting paid for it. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side is 
sometimes that person has to make that decision where even though that would be great experience, mm-hmm. we can't do that without getting paid. Do you feel you're good at time management? No. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I mean, thank you for the honest answer, right? So, so how can we help you? And, or, or I should back that up a little bit. Do you feel your colleagues and classes are also either really good or not really good with time management? I think we're all kind of on the same field where we're okay. trying to develop that relationship with time management where it's like not something that's going to kill us or like become the end all be all, but also being able to like, and I think on the, I should also add this, it's kind of like we're the ones developing that work-life balance mm-hmm. and trying to change the industry as well, but also in it, we have to train change how like professors and schoolwork and work mm-hmm. is now. So you said something pretty interesting. You're trying to develop work-life balance, yeah. um, and I'll be fully transparent. I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't know if I can call it work-life balance, <laughs> right? Because clearly you are trying to do a whole lot, mm-hmm. right? And whether you're coming in as a transfer student mm-hmm. or you're coming as a new student, that idea of work-life balance probably is something that's like way over the horizon, <laughs> right? Because of all the demands that, yeah, right? (laughs) Because of all the demands that are placed on you. Mm -hmm. So is there a new term that we have to come up with? You know, is it school, work, internship, co-op, go to these events because it's good for networking balance, (laughs) perhaps? Maybe. That would be a nice acronym. Let's figure that one out. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what that would be because it almost can be like an alphabet soup, right? Because everybody's... Everybody is excellent at what you do as students, right? And you guys are phenomenally engaged in so many different pursuits, mm-hmm. right? That are so valuable to you and your careers, both academically and professionally, that it would be hard to categorize, you know, what that would be. But, but even at the cost of mental health. There's the, there's, there's the downside, right? Exactly. So how do you as students manage that element? Or is it kind of just mm-hmm. pushed under the rug? so to speak, or is it just assume that that's part of the experience? I, I think it falls into, people can assume that it falls into the experience of, oh, you're a college kid, so that's how it's supposed to be. But in reality, it's like, no, we're allowed to feel a certain way. Like, there's a certain, I, get, I don't want to say there's a certain stigma of people like, oh, college is supposed to be hard, it's supposed to be difficult. I'm like, okay, but you do realize there's so much more out of the classroom than in the classroom. And I mean, that's a great thing. And I think, you know, the networking, the opportunities that Point Park gives out is great. But don't penalize like students for not being able to do those things. Because it's just understanding that even though they're like, I don't have kids, some people do have kids and do this too. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I can't compare, like you can't compare a student to another student because everybody's path in life is different. Everything that they handle is different. The way they handle things is different. And it's just understanding, like, even though you really want to push and motivate people, like, students in the classroom to be, like, go out and get those opportunities and network, you've got to understand, like, you might be putting a pressure that you don't see on students, not by, like, you know, by your fault, but they still feel it. I think what you just said there in terms of the human experience, right, I think sometimes that gets lost in this journey. Mm-hmm. And as you said, everybody's pathway is different. And it's probably something that, you know, collectively, maybe we don't necessarily always see mm-hmm. in terms of that, that mental balance and wellness that we're talking about right now. 
And perhaps that's something that you've raised awareness, at least on my part, that it's something that I need to probably pay more attention within my own classes, right? I mean, I generally see, like you said, when somebody's tired and they're sleepy or just not there a period of time, but I'm actually almost maybe a little bit nervous to ask sometimes because again, I'm not sure where that conversation goes, right? And that's a stigma that like, I think not even in a collegiate setting, but even just outside of our own campus and outside of the program, like that's a conversation that people need to be having where how open do I want to be, which, you know, to your comfort level. But at the same time, I think people need to realize like you can be open. This isn't something that we have to hide behind closed doors as much as maybe in the past that it has been. Awesome. Well, Allison, thank you. I think, like you said, you've hit some really important topics. You know, certainly have changed my perspective a little bit, as well as gave me some stuff to think about. Uh, so thank you for being a guest today. And uh, we look forward to hopefully having you back soon. Of course. Right. I'll thank do it you. again. Excellent. We like <laughs> to hear that. All right. Welcome back to our podcast. Our next guest is Leah, who's an Intel and National Security student here at Point Park University. And her topic of choice this morning is cheer and dance. So I understand you are a member of the cheer and dance team here at Point Park. Yes, I yep. am. So tell us a little bit about what you guys do, um, why it's relevant to the university, and some of the competitions you're in. So um, we're a recognized varsity sport here. We are competitive, so we travel around and we compete, and we compete in regional and national competitions. Um, it's a bunch of girls on the team. It's really great. We are all super close, and it's really a great um, opportunity for students in the university to kind of get involved in a sport if they would like or I mean you don't know you don't have to have any kind of experience it's just kind of you come out and you learn a lot and it's a really great opportunity I think for girls and even guys we have guys on the team it's a super welcoming environment and it's a lot that. of fun. So what is the hardest part of coming up with a routine for say a competition from your perspective yeah I think the hardest part is being able to mesh the different styles that we do because we do jazz um, hip-hop and we do palm so they're all all those three styles are mixed into one routine so I think the hardest part is finding that happy medium and trying to mesh those all together do you ever get to the point where like the routine and everything is just kind of like automatic like you do in you know, other sports as well? Or is there still like a lot of thought process that goes through when you guys are competing? Yeah, no, it does become kind of like second nature at one point after mm -hmm. you do the routine so many times. I mean, we go full out at least two or three times of practice. Mm -hmm. So it does kind of become like muscle memory. But you are still thinking about I got to squeeze my core. I have to pull up. I have to point my toes, straighten my yeah. legs. It kind of does become second major at the same yeah. time it's you're thinking about it all the time nice so in our earlier student we were talking about music and he got into the idea that today's artists you could almost take anybody off the streets and turn them into like a celebrity if you have the right marketing and the right beat and the right brand behind them and one of the things they were trying to convince me to do was you know turn me into like a you know superstar right <laughs> So do you think me who has absolutely no rhythm, I cannot dance nor sing, you know, if I, if I came to your team, do you guys think you could teach me enough that I can perform successfully? Yeah, I mean, at, 
I mean, I think anybody can really do it. It's just a matter of do you want to and do you want to succeed? Because I think anybody can really do anything they put their mind to. It's just a matter of whether or not you're willing to put in the time and the effort to succeed in what you're doing because why not? Yeah, and I love that message and I think that's one important takeaway that I think I don't often emphasize enough maybe perhaps with my students in the classroom is that, again, if time on task, if you're willing and dedicated, like you said, it, it doesn't matter how far that vision is away. Mm -hmm. Like you guys can achieve that if you want to. And I have no doubt that your teammates on the cheer and dance team, like you said, the time and the investment you're making, that you guys will have, continue to have great success uh, yourself as well as your teammates uh, as you continue to grow as an organization. Thank you. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Leo. We appreciate it. And thank like you, for you said, you certainly um, introduced me more to the cheer and dance team. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Thanks. All right, we're here with our next guest, Michelle, who's an economics and finance major in the Roland School of Business. And her topic of choice, which is going to be pretty awesome, is basketball. So, Michelle, why basketball? Why do you want to talk about that today? Well, I'm big on the sports here and just in general, but I also play basketball um, at Point Park. So I kind of want to talk about that. And I know there's a lot of um, news going around especially with Kobe. I think that would be an interesting topic. Excellent. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And for our guest, uh, Michelle is a very humble person. And what she isn't telling you is that you also just recently surpassed an incredible milestone, what, what I think is a big milestone, which is? I just scored my 1,000 points a few games ago. So. All right, so a round of Thank applause for you. Michelle. <laughs> absolutely. That is huge. All right, so, yeah, so 1,000 points. All right. How's your team doing this year so far? Um, so far, we're actually doing really well. We're on a few. Um, that's my teammate right there, actually. So. Oh, cool. <laughs> so um, we've been getting into the swing of things. Um, we're on like a four-game win streak. Um, in the beginning, we were a little slow. We're a young team, but we started off like a little slow, but now we're really picking it up, and we um, we hit it at the right time. So I think nice. we're going to do really so well. So what is the one thing that basketball, and you've played for a while, both high school and college now, that that you've learned or you'll take away from the game? Um, so honestly, like I could list on and on about what basketball has done for me, but it's really just brought me closer to people and how to communicate better with people. Um, I mean, of course, I'm going to learn like the skills of basketball, but it's made me such a communicator and I had to be a leader and a good friend, teammate. So just to be able to interact with people and help them and it helps me as well. Mm -hmm. So. Having experienced uh, the loss of Kobe Bryant you know, this past week, um, your reflection being connected to the basketball community? Um, so it's not like he was, I'm a LeBron fan. Um, I'm going <laughs> to say he's the best in the world, but Kobe is absolutely up there. And just seeing how much he's um, impacted, not only like the game of basketball, he's one of the greatest and defines greatness, but um, just the impact of like the community and helping young women and his daughter and his um, girls that he coaches just elevate that new level, I know, and that's really impressive in my book. So although he's one of the greatest, I think his impact that he's left for the community has been that much more special. And then looking forward this season, what's one thing about your team uh, that's probably going to be most memorable, you think? Um, I think just the, the amount of girls that we have and the freshmen coming in, they have been just so special and they've actually become like my family and I know people may say that a lot but we've become so close and just having those memories with these girls no matter if we win lose tie whatever just having them around is truly special 
Yeah, and that's something unique. Also, having played the game as well, it's when you get that and that team bond. That bond, it, exactly. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a unique experience that I don't think is matched elsewhere. Mm -mm. You know, once you Absolutely leave. not. And having that is also going to allow your team to do things that normal. Right, that happen. chemistry off the court, it definitely translates onto the court. And I think in the beginning that showed we weren't as close, but now that we're you know becoming better friends, it's really showing and reflecting. Awesome. Well, Michelle, I know you need to run the class, so best of luck this season. <laughs> Thank you so much. Keep shooting, if you're co even though your coach may tell you not to. And uh, here's your excuse. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you. All right. We're here with our next guest, Josh, who is a business management major in the Roland School of Business. And his topic of choice is manifesting your own destiny. So welcome to the show, Josh. Thank you. Tell us a little about this, because it uh, certainly sounds like a deep and complex area. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely deep. Um, I think that everyone kind of faces this problem in their life and uh, knowing pretty much what to do next in their, in their journey, in their life. Um, personally, I want to manifest my own destiny to show that I can do whatever I want to do. Um, my story, my journey, a little background, I was, uh, I was an athlete here at Point Park. Um, I was also, I transferred in from Bethany College where I played baseball for two years. Um, but I want to show the world that I am more than just a baseball player and athlete. So. I want to manifest my own destiny to show that I can start a business. And uh, that's what I've been doing since my days at Bethany College, actually. And I carried it on to here at Point Park. Do you think there's a stereotype around athletes that, you know, because there is that intense focus around practices and scheduling and playing and travel that sometimes, like you said, this entire other side of you just kind of is diminished, whether it's something that happens because of a conscious choice that that athlete has made or just because of the pressure? Yeah, I, I totally agree with the, the pressure that amounts to being an athlete. And it's different than uh, on a professional scale. Um, as you can see with all the people that are coming open more and more, like in baseball, for example, uh, Marcus Stroman, he's a pitcher for the uh, New York Mets. And he, he talks about how the pressure and the people and the comments that get to them, uh, what, what they do for for what he like how he copes with the 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 backlash and what he gets there but on a student uh athlete level i think it's a little more different um i think that you don't get that surreal feeling of being as professional as much as it is being dedicated to your studies as well as being an athlete and listening to your coaches here um i think personally that it's a little easier than of course being a professional athlete but uh, it's almost like a stepping stone to that professional mm -hmm. scale. Do you think that your fellow athletes, be it here or other universities, uh, share a similar perspective? Or do you think, you know, there are the folks that, you know what, athletics is my thing or it's my ticket and, you know, academics is secondary? Or do you think there's a far majority that have a better <laughs> balance there? I think, I think there's a far majority of people that think that, that are very tunnel vision when it comes to their sports. I think mm -hmm. that uh, they're, they're putting all their eggs, so to speak, in one basket, and they're not really focusing on what's going to happen after that, mm -hmm. their athletic ends. Because, let's face it, I mean, uh, the, the overwhelming percentage is going to not make it to the professional league. So um, not necessarily saying or knocking someone's dreams or visions, but I think it's smart to have a plan and be more than just a one-dimensional-sided person. So where did you change, right? Because you're not... And I say this not being stereotypical, but like you're not the norm, right? right? You seem to have, at a younger age, a much larger perspective right. you know, of, of kind of where your journey could go and the role that you can leverage sports to help you achieve that journey, whether it's 
you know, continuing on playing baseball, or as you said, it, it's opening up a business or networking. Like right. how do, what happened in your, your past that enabled you to have that perspective? I think, honestly, just the networking factor, like meeting people. Um, mm -hmm. For example, at my last school, I met two of my close friends who I'm still pretty fairly close with today, and that's how I started uh, my business, well, our business plan mm -hmm. that we created there. And uh, it's all about customizable baseball gloves. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's still the factor of baseball, like the athlete side, but then we're taking it down to more than just the athlete surface and we're creating a business. So we created a loose leaf plan of uh, kind of business ideas and concepts that wasn't really a formal business plan, but here at Point Park, that's mm -hmm. where I took my capstone course and kind of form formalized the, the business plan and made it mm -hmm. more of a professional scale. So that's just an example of like being more than just the one dimensional mm -hmm. side that I, that I would say. So I'm gonna push a little bit further and, and feel free to you know, not respond if you don't feel comfortable <laughs> doing so. So it's, I mean, did it really start with your friends at Bethany? Because I think there's probably something more in your past somewhere that has really pushed you to become who you are today and have this broader perspective. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, just like every other person, I went through, you know, the typical breakups and that was part of like the reason why I did transfer as well. It was one of the factors at my last school. Um, the girl was just absolutely crazy. Um, I'll say that. But, um, so I did leave, but I also left for baseball reasons. So, mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, the factor of like being in a relationship and being so dependent on one person and then, you know, being just athlete focused and driven, I think that I realized after coming from that small school in a rural West, West Virginia town mm -hmm. where it was 20 minutes <laughs> from the closest gas station, I think that uh, when I got to Point Park in the big city, I realized that there's just so much more to life mm -hmm. than just being a one-dimensional sided person. So what advice would you give to both athletes and your other colleagues who might be on athletes in terms of manifesting your own course or your own destiny or pursuing your own vision? What would you tell them? I would totally tell them to do things that are out of their comfort zone. Um, for me personally, I wasn't, I wasn't a reader at all. And um, I wasn't like my first two years at Bethany College, I, wasn't, I didn't read at all. Like, I did the bare minimum of what I had to read for my mm -hmm. courses. But now I started listening to podcasts, um, specifically Gary Vee and uh, Mike Studd, he's, he's mm -hmm. the, the rapper I mentioned earlier, but um, I listen to their podcasts and like, for example, Mike Studd put me on uh, The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success by mm -hmm. Deepak Chopra. So I just started that and learning the spiritual laws of that, I would have never gotten that, that intellect without, you know, opening mm -hmm. up my comfort zone and, and picking up a book. So would you include being on a podcast talking about yourself? <laughs> Definitely. Uh, I was a little nervous coming into this, but I think, well, I think it's, it's super fun. And well, good. Cool. So, so for future guests, as we roll these out, take Josh's advice, like you said, and come, come have a conversation. Yeah. Um, school going beyond just the textbooks is something that also kind of struck a chord with me. Yeah. Right? What has been kind of your greatest takeaway from that idea? Um, honestly, it just... You can only learn so much by just looking at a book in words. I think the application of what happens, for example, in a business setting is uh, super crucial to what, how, how your life is going to plan out and, and where you're going to get a job at. Um, I think that that also goes with being like a one-dimensional person. Instead of just looking at the book and, and doing that, applying that to a certain uh, specific thing in life. So. Like, I'm, I'm, I tried to start my own business, and that's what I plan on doing, hopefully one day in life, um, probably not right after graduation, <laughs> but uh, 
one day in life. So like I'm trying to set myself up for something later in the future where instead of just reading the textbook, trying to get a job in nine to five where I'm miserable for the rest of my <laughs> life. But again, being more of an in-depth person. So before we let you go, I do want to hear and learn a little bit more about the business that you're starting uh, with your colleagues. Yeah. So the baseball gloves that you're customizing. Definitely. Could you tell us a little bit yeah, about that? Yeah, for sure. So uh, it's called Evolve Gloves, and uh, we want to customize uh, fully with our own manufacturing company. Of course, we want to manufacture our own baseball gloves where we can uh, create different designs, patterns, logos, um, colorways, anything you can really imagine, uh, flags, insignias, uh, letters, logos, anything that you could really put on a glove, we want to we wanna embroider and kind of get that on a baseball glove. Um, we think solely that players nowadays, uh, baseball's kind of getting a, more of a boring sport, so uh, we want to kind of liven up the game and make, make the, the kids nowadays uh, get more creative and allow that their, their way to play is not just you know, their skill set, but they can show and be fashionable as well and have a, have a cool glove while they play the game they love. Nice. And I think it's a perfect example of, as you talked about, where it's you know, beyond the textbooks, right? Yeah. So, and you're also combining things that you love, being the sport of baseball, as well as you know, opportunities further on in life. Definitely. So, well, Josh, thank you so much for being a guest with us this morning. Yep. And it was great thank to learn more about me. your journey. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, maybe have you back. For sure. Definitely. Awesome. <laughs> thank you. All right. Well, thank you. This brings to a close our first pop-up podcast here from Point Park Cafe on the Point Park University campus. And to kind of summarize and bring us to a close, uh, I'm thinking back to something that Steve Jobs once said. He said a lot of people haven't had very diverse experiences. So they don't have enough dots to connect and they end up with very linear solutions without a broad perspective on the problem. And the broader one's understanding of the human experience, the better design we will have. You know, the very same thing can be said about our daily lives. You know, we often follow very linear patterns. We wake up, we get dressed, we eat similar things for breakfast, we go to class or we go to work, and we repeat each and every day. Following these same patterns each and every day will slowly begin to diminish our ability to experience the dynamic and rich environments that are actually around us. So it's my hope as we continue these conversations, and this was really only the beginning, the beginning of what may be more opportunities to explore our ideas, our collective experiences, and maybe perhaps change our perspectives on the human experience. I wanna send a quick shout out to our students who took the leap of faith this morning to come join us and have a conversation. And we, we thank them very much. I want to thank Angelo Gargara, who's sitting next to me here working the soundboard and doing a lot of the equipment. He does amazing work in the Student Success Center uh, with our students each and every day. And I want to thank Point Park for hosting us. Uh, it's a great location, and we look forward to being back here, and as well as the Roland School of Business for their ongoing support of this crazy idea of having a leadership podcast. So thank you, and uh, we look forward to seeing you on our next adventure. Until then. <laughs>